0: Welcome to episode 64 of the Mountain Land Running Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Brian Heiderschreit from the University of Wisconsin Sports Medicine, but minus my co-host, Jeremy Stoker. He stood us up today. He decided that he, uh, we weren't worth his time anymore. No, just kidding. He's He had a conflict that came up last minute with his clinic and wasn't able to make today's uh, recording. So we're going to look for him next next month. Uh, As a reminder, the running summit, the mountain land running summit for 2022 is in progress of being put together. We've got our dates reserved September 29th through October 1st at the Sheridan Park City in Park City, Utah. So save the date and keep checking back online at summit.mlrehab.com for the latest updates on our programming and agenda. As always, send any questions and feedback to podcast at mlrehab.com. We always enjoy hearing your opinions and thoughts, as well as recommendations for future guests. Today, we're going to talk with Dr. Richard Main from Northern Ireland about the use of monitoring technology among recreational runners and their potential association with injury incidents. Dr. Main, also known as the moving medic, is a family medicine physician in Northern Ireland with a specialist interest in lifestyle, sport, and exercise medicine. He is passionate about helping people to be less sedentary and more physically active so they can live longer, happier, and healthier lives. He can be followed online at themovingmedic.net and on social media via the handle at themovingmedic. Welcome, Richard, and thank you for joining us today.
1: Yeah, great to be chatting with you, Brian. Looking forward to going into some more detail.
0: Absolutely, pleasure. I've, I'm glad to get you on, and and uh, this, I have to say, when I came across this your publication on monitoring technology and injury, I was like, this is fantastic. This is exactly something that we need to understand more about, because clearly, the use of wearables and monitoring monitoring technology is exploding more now more than ever. Um, and I think your your findings in here, you know, help to shed some light on what it, us as practitioners what we need be thinking about from that data. But before we get into the study, and we'll share the link on our on our webpage as well for listeners to be able to take a peek at the study. Um, and it is open access, which is even better because anybody can download the paper and get a read on it. I wanna have you give a chance to give a bit on your background Uh, and uh, as a physician, as a a healthcare provider, where did your initial interest in the general area of running, but also in wearables, where did that this come from?
1: Well, I suppose you're always more uh, interested in research that you have a personal background in. Uh, So personally, I am a keen keen runner, uh, and I've certainly seen the benefits that that can have for my own health. And then uh also then with dealing with patients every day, uh I've seen the huge benefits that people have that have been getting into running uh themselves as well, you know, the benefits on their health, not and not just on their physical health, which are you can observe, you know, by checking people's weight and some of their biometric parameters and blood results and blood pressure and things like that, but also the benefits for their mental health. Um and particularly if they're involved with running as part of a social group uh and that sort of connection is, is hugely beneficial as well. Um so yeah both from a personal and then uh in a clinical context I've seen huge benefits from uh engage people engaging in running uh so I was keen to investigate that area further so uh the research that you're mentioning was uh, undertaken as part of a master's degree in sport and exercise medicine which I undertook uh during uh training to be a general practitioner which is uh uh, family medicine practitioner uh, physician in, in in the uk um so uh yeah i wanted to dig dig deeper into this emerging field of the use of monitoring technology and how that could potentially uh, have an impact on people's risk of injury
0: Oh fantastic so with in your clinic practice are are you using monitoring technology in any way? Are you um, recommending patients use that either as a motivator or as a tracker, or are you just seeing people more and more people using them on their own?
1: yeah, I think it's very much driven by people themselves keen to get those uh I think a lot of people respond to data uh, and getting those insights uh but particularly uh yeah, among I mean, initially it, it would have been more among more serious uh, runners, maybe more your sort of semi-elite level and elite level uh, runners initially. Whereas now uh, you can really see it go down across people across the board who are maybe even just starting out running uh, that are wanting to track and see what they're doing. Um, so it really is something that's hugely prevalent across the board now.
0: Yeah, are you seeing any particular type of wearable that that at least in your in your practice people are using quite a bit?
1: Uh, well, the yeah the GPS watches are hugely popular in in certainly in in my experience, uh, and we did uh, even in this research we we asked what type of wearables people were using, but uh i'm not sure i i I obviously don't have any affiliation with any particular brand but uh the one that was most popular in the survey that we were undertaking was garmin uh seems to have a huge share of the market Uh, (laughs) so i'm not sure if it's the same case uh in your experience
0: yeah, you know, you're right. I think that tends to be a pretty popular one, <clears throat> just because maybe it's in terms of of uh, how long they've been around or or the, or the quality of what they've done. I think that may be a contributing factor to it as well. But are you seeing a lot of people using different apps as well to try to track it? Regardless of the hardware side of it, then you have mm-hmm. apps like Strava, for example, that can even you know, capitalize on more of that information. Are you seeing Are you seeing people capture that as well?
1: Yeah, uh, again, uh, we were asking about, you know, different apps and things that people were using. And again, there were, there are a few that are out there, uh, but Strava certainly seemed to be the most popular. Um, yeah. And I suppose that's, it's like anything, sometimes somebody gets it early and corners the market and that appears to be the case with, uh, with Strava too.
0: Yeah, well, let's let's jump into the paper a little bit here. So again, the, the study we're going to talk about is is titled Use of Monitoring Technology and Injury Incidents Among Recreational Runners, a cross-sectional study, and this was published in BMC Sports Science Medicine and Rehabilitation in September of 2021. And as I mentioned, this is open access. We'll provide the link to that on our, our webpage download of where you can access this podcast so you can take a read uh, at your leisure as well. Um, so, maybe set the stage a little bit. Uh, we, we've done that already in terms of where your overall interest in the, in the project came from. But where what led you to, add, to address this specific question in terms of the idea that monitoring technology might have some way a link toward an injury incidence?
1: Yeah, so uh, I suppose there's two ways of looking at it. Uh, that in some ways, monitoring technology provides the opportunity for people to get uh, more insight into the level of training that they're doing and and their performance um, which allows them to track it and potentially that can be a beneficial thing uh, so that they plan their training accordingly uh, and hopefully more sensibly with access to that data um, however uh, and there is potential negatives from it as well uh, with as you mentioned you know there's some apps that have uh, that would be encouraging people to maybe set challenges and targets for themselves uh, and the concern would be with that if uh, somebody has maybe not been doing a huge amount of training volume that all of a sudden if they decide they're going to aim for a specific challenge to say, run a certain distance over the course of November um, and they maybe aren't physiologically adapted to it, there's a potential there that that could lead to increased risk of injury uh, where they're maybe uh, over, overreaching beyond what they're adapted to. Um, and I think uh there has been research showing that with uh with trends in running is is more people seem to be running more individually than as part of a club you know traditionally people without having the monitoring technology and things may have run more as part of a larger group where there would have been maybe coaching and training through the club uh which again should be helpful in theory for reducing injury risk whereas if people are just doing training themselves then uh they mightn't have the same level of, of coaching particularly if they're maybe just starting out and they're running uh you know running as a as a um as an interest for them uh so yeah we wanted to explore whether this potentially is a good thing or potentially a bad thing, and whether there's you know data to support either of those things.
0: Yeah, it also occurred to me as well that I think that the element of knowing that you're being monitored or knowing that you have that ability to monitor yourself, and then what many people do is they they share their data right with friends mm-hmm. or or a, a community of of that they're trying to um, you know they want to uh, have this this online community of sorts, it, in a way creates competition as well, right. Mm-hmm. It's like if all of a sudden your, your friend or colleague ran six miles today, well, I was only going to do three, but maybe I should do six as well. You know, and so yeah. now this becomes this one upmanship, uh, mm-hmm. almost in terms of how you're training. Mm-hmm. And whereas when you, before you might be more uh, in tune to what your goals are and be more likely to follow your particular plan, it's easy to get, to get caught up in that competition.
1: Yeah, especially if that colleague of yours happens to be somebody who has, uh, you know, much more running experience uh, than <laughs> you right. do. Uh, that's when potentially you might suffer. Uh, that's right. to keep
0: up. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So the other part of it, that, just to kind of uh, bring our listeners up to speed on it, was you, you tapped into, for this study, you tapped into an organization or a group called Park Run. Can you mm-hmm. describe what Park Run is? Because uh, maybe not everybody's familiar with it.
1: Yeah, I thought that might be the case with uh, potentially a U.S. audience. Uh because in the UK, everybody knows what Parkrun is. Uh, Parkrun is a, a huge thing. Uh, it started off in uh, 2004. Uh, there was a guy who was a keen recreational runner, uh, ended up getting injured. Uh, and this was before modern technology, so it probably wasn't related really to it. But uh, he decided he would go to a local park and offer to. Uh, time his some of his running friends uh doing a five kilometer circuit of the park and give them you know the time at the end of it and that may, meant he still had a social connection and was still involved even though he wasn't able to run himself at that time uh and then it just snowballed from there uh so uh since then there's now uh over 1000 park runs in the uk and they take place every saturday morning uh at a local park uh, and it's all volunteer run and it's all completely free um and uh yeah so there's now uh, over four million people across the globe have completed at least one park run. Uh, so it is still mainly uh, in the UK. There's there's over a thousand park runs across the UK now, including some in places like prisons as well, uh, to show how wide-reaching it is. Uh, but in total, there's over two thousand across the world. But surprisingly, uh, given you know the huge interest in, in running in the US, uh, there's still only just over 50 in the USA. So. Um, I would expect that uh, that'll really uh, start to pick up in the years ahead uh, if it follows the trend of the rest of the world.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like a great organization to be able to type into, or at least that sort of concept of in terms of how you've designed the study, because this was largely a survey study, correct?
1: That's right. Yeah, it was a paper-based survey. So it's quite old school in its approach, um, but there's something quite nice about that as well. Yeah. Uh, and it also, also meant, uh, yeah, so we, we actually undertook the survey at three different park runs. So as I mentioned, they it's every Saturday morning uh, at the same time every week um, and uh, yeah they're accessible to everybody so really I think it's you can do it from the age of four four years old up, upwards uh, so you would get people doing it you know well into uh, post-retirement and uh, of all levels and abilities uh, you know people who may run marathons not frequently to, to people who have only just started getting to reach 5k in distance and people you know bringing uh, dogs along you know there's you know it all all goes uh, and ultimately they say it's not a race it's a timed run uh, but uh, yeah it's a brilliant uh, social thing and certainly uh, as a family physician I've seen huge benefits of it I think it's that community atmosphere is, is hugely important because people are much more motivated to stay physically active if they have a uh, feel like there's a social support and network to encourage them to do that um, so yeah, it was a paper based survey that we undertook at three different park runs uh, on slightly different surfaces uh, in different uh, regions in North Ireland uh, to uh, try and get uh, as good response for as possible.
0: Great. So I'm assuming this was done at the end of the park run, that once people had finished it, that you went around and asked if people would want to want to be part of it.
1: Yeah. So uh, I uh, probably, uh, being uh, a keen runner myself, uh, probably would have been easier if I didn't if I decided not to run, but I also decided to <laughs> to run the park run as well. So it, it maybe helped with recruitment of people just yeah. into, uh, into it myself. So I made sure to run good times <laughs> to get round uh, ahead of uh, you know most other people finishing. Uh, so, thankfully, yeah, I was still able to, to, to get, we were still able to get, yeah, a fairly good response rate, right? actually, of around 40% uh, of that's the great. people who, who participated, uh, which was good.
0: That's, that's really good. Yeah, for sure. So, within the survey itself, what what components did you ask about? Obviously, you asked about what sort of monitoring technology they were using or where, what were the names and so forth, and what, what it consisted of. You asked about their injury, their injury history. Mm-hmm. Uh, what other aspects were, were, were being questioned?
1: Well, yeah, we wanted to get the demographic detail as well, so uh, age and sex, and then we also wanted to get their running experience, uh, so the no- number of years they'd been running consecutively, um, and then we got some data on their training metrics as well. So, um, you know, their average distance they would run in a typical week, um, how many days per week they would run. Uh, so then we were able to tie out some more uh, associations with, you know, potential associations with injury. Uh, as well, you know, as and not just simply asking whether or not they use technology, but some some of that other data. Then we could get you know some more of the specifics uh, from.
0: Yep, and then in, in terms of the injury itself, I think one thing that's always important for any sort of an epidemiological study or any study of injury is how do how do the investigators define injury? Um, and so for for running-related injury, there's obviously a variety of of definitions that have been used in the literature. How did you guys? a uh, defined running injury.
1: Yeah, so because we were using, you know, we were aware that this is very much a recreational population, uh, you know, with with people who may not be particularly serious with their running and park run, maybe their only run that they do in a in a week. It may just be that five kilometers on Saturday morning. Uh we wanted to uh have it uh to try and minima, minimize recall bias. We actually went for a fairly long definition in terms of duration of time spent off running. So our our definition was any injury that was simply related to running uh, recreationally, not any other sport, sort of sport um, that caused them not to be able to run uh, for uh, a duration of a a minimum of two weeks.
0: Okay. And so that was no running at all, not even just less running, but no running for two weeks.
1: Yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean, it shows uh, th- there has been research that would show that uh, in terms of your your fitness, you do not really notice a change in your sort of uh, VO2 max if you if you take a, a break of up to two weeks. Beyond that, that's when you start to get performance decrements. Um, so that was, uh, another reason behind
0: that. And so you also mentioned that you had about a 40% response rate, which again, I think for those of us who have done larger survey base, that's actually pretty good. Um, is there anything along, you know, some might think that's seems pretty low, right? You've only got 40% of who your target was, but that's pretty strong for a typical survey type, uh, study in hindsight, is there anything that you would have done differently, uh, to try to boost that and response rate even higher?
1: Well, as I mentioned, it was a paper-based survey, so uh, I was kicking myself afterwards because I had to manually enter all the data into the <laughs> you know computer to then use uh, the uh, computer programs to analyse the data. So that was quite time-consuming. Uh, you know, there are you know Facebook pages and social media pages for these different parkruns, uh, but the problem is I don't know how many people would access them, and also then you don't know whether they've actually done that uh, specific parkrun on that day. Uh, so. Um, Using an online version, it would have been harder to find out your true, uh, pop- whether it's truly uh, your, your total sample size in terms of the yeah. sample size, uh, calculating your response rate. Uh, so actually, knowing the amount of people that finished the park run. And how many people completed the survey meant we were able to get a you know quite a, a, a clear answer to that in terms of calculating the response rate
0: yeah no that makes a lot of sense i think you're right some in some ways the old school paper based comes through the strongest many times um you know sometimes we try to force technology and where it just <laughs> makes things a little more difficult in the end
1: well so yeah cool. i mean it meant it meant we were able to hand out you know we had them on uh, clipboards, so we were able to hand out surveys you know to people pretty much as they crossed the line whereas if, if, if you had to Maybe you would need a you would have needed a lot of researchers with a lot of maybe you know phones or tablets uh, to have people entering the data digitally, uh, which we didn't have. So uh, sure. that allowed us to maximize the response rate for the you know the, the researchers we had available.
0: For sure, yeah. All right, so let's move on to the kind of the the uh, your your findings. So in terms of the the technology usage and then ultimately its relationship toward injury incidents that you're you're looking at. What were your findings?
1: Yeah, so we find that um, across so this and considering this is uh, you know very much a re- very true recreational runners, you know these are not elite uh, runners by any means. Um, we find that uh, across our participants, um, that eighty-seven point four percent of those participants were using some form of modern technology. Uh, the vast majority of that was uh, GPS watches. Uh, which comprise uh, 87% of, the of people that, that were monitoring technology. Um, and then there was a smaller uh, proportion used uh, mobile phone apps only, uh, but most people, yeah, seem to be using GPS watches to monitor their, uh, their running.
0: That's, that's remarkable, actually, to think that there's almost 90% of runners rec- at a recreational level that mm-hmm. are wearing a, a device that they had to go out and purchase specially for that, mm-hmm. that need. So that's that's unbelievable. With the, the ages that you had in this, was, were, your, were your ages of your, your respondents um, younger, where they might be more used to using technology, or did it span all, all ages?
1: Yeah, we didn't actually find any clear uh, difference between different age profiles either. Uh, so um, the average age of all the participants was uh, just was nearly forty six years old. Uh, and um, yeah, and we found that there wasn't really any clear difference. It was only very slight in terms of older people being slightly less likely to use monitoring technology. But still, even in the older age groups, we found that there was still a very high uptake of monitoring technology. Um, so yeah, as, as you mentioned, it is a very high uptake of modern technology, and it's certainly um, higher even than previous uh, previous surveys. But it does show that this is an evolving area, you know, and it probably will increase further with time.
0: Yeah. So then, if we move on toward the injury side of things and the use of technology as it relates to the injury incidents, what did you find on that end?
1: Well, we find a similar overall injury incidence among our runners. You know, over the so we asked them whether they had a running related injury over the previous year. Uh, and out of our participants, it was around forty percent of people reported having a running related injury in the previous year, which is pretty much bang in the middle of uh, yep. uh, pre, uh, you know previous studies examining injury incidents. Um, but then, whenever we tied out the you know specifics of the details. Uh, You know, to look and analyze it uh, with um, regression analyses, looking at uh, the impact of monitoring technology, uh, we found that actually there wasn't any uh, significant difference between those who use monitoring technology and those who didn't, because although lots of people use monitoring technology not all of them used it to modify their training volume and things uh so it was among those people who used the monitoring technology to modify their training pattern there wasn't any uh any real significant difference in terms of injury incidents uh between those people and those who, who didn't change the training pattern as a result of the monitoring technology hmm. so what do you
0: see as as uh as kind of the the big key takeaway from your findings then?
1: Yeah, well, it's, I suppose we've touched on one already, that monitoring technology is hugely prevalent now in uh, recreational runners, even at a, you know, very amateur level, Uh, you know, a five kilometer event, uh, 87% of people using modern technology is very high. Um, And currently based on our sample, there isn't any clear association with injury risk. among uh, you know people using monitoring technology and their incidence of injury, I think it's an evolving area as we mentioned. Uh, you know the algorithms that people are using to uh, inform their training patterns and training volumes are evolving all the time, uh, and hopefully becoming better. Uh, but hopefully we you know this could potentially in future mean that people are potentially hopefully reducing their risk of of injury in future if they're using. The information that their wearables are giving them to uh train in a more responsible and uh maybe less risky manner uh, in terms of reducing reducing their injury risk um and uh, but then again uh if if people do the things as we mentioned about uh trying to push themselves to levels that they're not really adapted to uh there is still the potential that it could be can
0: be problematic as well. Yeah, no, exactly. I think definitely an area of bigger study in terms of the use of technologies and, and their value or hindrance and how how, you know, either from a manufacturer standpoint or the commercial standpoint, you know, there's thoughts that need to go into place in terms of what recommendations are made or how they can capitalize on that that clear audience that's using the, the device and material or the device and, and software material. That how either the the um, the industry or healthcare providers or sports medicine, sports health in general, can access that as a way to help improve outcomes and, and reduce re-
1: running injury risk. Yeah, because yeah, from a you know family physician point of view, uh, really we're just wanting to see as many people as we can being you know more active, uh, and if using modern technology allows people to, to be more active and be more motivated and also reduce their risk of injury, then that's really the best benefit from a population level. Uh, so that's something that would be really nice to see. Uh, but I think in future, you know, really it would need much larger studies and, and yeah. ideally prospective studies to look at this to really be able to find out, uh, you know, the, the, the more specifics of, of, of how this will impact things moving forward.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and certainly that's kind of my next question to you is what is your next study? Yeah, you got this one under your belt. Now, I assume that you got more more in the pipeline more you're working on?
1: Uh, I, I'm more working in the more sort of general exercise medicine fields. Uh, so uh, I'm a family physician. So I've been looking more at actually sedentary behavior uh, and physical activity among uh, clinicians working in family medicine settings. Uh, because there's been research that show that uh, clinicians that are more physically active are more likely to recommend that to their patients. Um, so really, uh, especially with changes in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's been a lot more uh, consultations happening remotely over telephone and video, which, which actually means that people are being very minimal physical activity working in those settings during the day. Uh, and I suppose that's true across lots of healthcare settings. So it's trying to encourage uh, healthcare professionals to be less sedentary, and more physically active uh to then hopefully have a knock-on effect on their patients
0: well that sounds like actually really promising and, and rewarding work i would love to hear more about that because I, in the future because absolutely it's almost like physician heal thyself before you heal your patient right <laughs> yeah <laughs> figure out how to do it first and then make those recommendations to get people moving
1: yeah that's the idea uh so yeah some some people would go so far as to say as sitting is the new smoking, and you yeah. don't see that many clinicians, thankfully, nowadays smoking anymore, but uh, <laughs> we do spend a lot of time sitting down, so it's definitely something we all need to think about.
0: Yeah, no, that's an excellent point. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for contributing to the, to the world of, of running medicine, and, and congrats on all your future work as you'll be bringing forward to us.
1: Thanks, Brian. Yeah, it's been great to feature on the podcast, and uh, I'm a big fan. I look forward to tuning in to future episodes.
0: Absolutely, thank you very much. Appreciate it.
1: Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. On behalf of my
0: co-host Jeremy Stoker, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. And as a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. A reminder to check for updates on the 2022 Mountain Land Running Summit, September 29th through October 1st at summit.mlrehab.com. And as always, you can find more information on all the running medicine resources offered by Mountain Land Physical Therapy at mlrehab.com/one. We'll see you next time.
1: This podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Exercises that are safe and appropriate for some people may not be for you. No treatment program should be undertaken without first consulting your physical therapist or physician. The contents of this podcast is protected under United States copyright laws and may not be reproduced, redistributed, transmitted, displayed, published, or broadcast without prior written permission of mountain land physical therapy.